Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. It is a Thursday edition of the show where we will be talking about the Bucks steelers matchup and why this is a game where, of course, the Buccaneers should win this somewhat handsomely, you know. Uh, it's clearly a lopsided matchup between the three and two Buccaneers and the one and four Pittsburgh Steelers. But as they say, it's any given Sunday and really anything can go on. So we'll talk about, uh, you know, the top matchups going into this one. We'll also talk about uh, the injury report that just dropped a couple of minutes ago. And of course, uh, everything and anything that we saw from the Advent Health Training Center today when we spoke to uh, Bucks coaches, players, and everything else in between. I am your host today, Matt Matera, and right now I'm writing solo just for a little bit, and then uh, sooner rather than later, my fellow colleague from PeterReport.com, J.C. Allen, will be joining me as well. He's running into a couple of uh, technical difficulties at the moment, so uh, when JC gets his uh, internet going, we'll bring him on the show as well. Appreciate everyone watching and listening to this show. Nathan, always right here and ready to go. He says, hi, Matt. Hello, Nathan. Thanks again for watching the show. Nathan also says, this game stinks of a trap game. Obviously, for those who don't know what a trap game is, it's usually when you have a uh inferior opponent i guess you could say and a big game looming the following week but you know what that's not necessarily the case for the tampa bay buccaneers uh because the following week after they play pittsburgh they're on a they're on the road again where they are playing against the carolina panthers so not necessarily a trap game in that sense of it um but i understand what you're saying where uh, Bucks could get a little bit lax days goal. And as I said, you know, the overall title of this is will the Bucks blow out the Steelers in Sunday's game, a, a game really where the Bucks should, you know, get back on track. You know, we, we they obviously won last week, but it felt a little hollow in the sense that they jumped out to a 21 nothing lead and then allowed the Falcons back into the game. We want to see a complete game, a full four quarters from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and his internet's working now believe we're good to go JC has joined the show JC how you doing my man and uh has everything worked out yeah technical difficulties you know I don't know what's going on here but we got everything straightened out we're we're, we're ready to go ready to rock ready to talk some Bucks Steelers matchup I'm excited to do this spot with you today I am not hearing you JC I don't know if that's me or if that is hmm Check, check, Try check, talk. check, check. Okay, looks like we lost JC. That's all right. I guess I'll just stick, uh, I'll stick with the program. Let us know in the chats if, uh, oh, I guess it's just me. I don't know. I, I couldn't hear anything. So maybe uh, it's something on my end. In the meantime, uh, let's talk about Celsius, which, of course, is the presenting sponsor of the Pew Report podcast. We love Celsius for a number 
of different reasons. Of course, number one is because they have multiple different flavors, whether it's the, you know, the tropical vibe, the Arctic peach vibe, so many different great flavors uh, that Celsius has. Um, you, of course, can also get the sparkling orange, sparkling watermelon, strawberry lemonade is another fantastic flavor. So uh, make sure you go to Celsius.com, click on the store locator, find out where you can get a Celsius near you because they are all over the place now. I can literally go outside of my apartment, walk literally down, just cross the street, really, and I have a local store right near me where I can get a Celsius um, they have it all over the place now, whether it's a Walmart, Target, your bodega, multiple different places where you can get Celsius. Or if you just want it straight to your house or apartment, that's fine, too. Go to Amazon, click and save with Celsius. Uh, you can get multiple different types of, uh, of Celsius flavors there. I recommend the variety pack because variety is the spice of life and uh, much easier to get it that way so make sure you're drinking celsius the official energy drink of pewterreport.com celsius hashtag live fit jc what are you drinking there i got my favorite the strawberry lemonade awesome yeah that's a that's a really good flavor i apologize everyone in the chat was saying they could hear you i guess it was something on my end wasn't able to uh back up and running that's all that matters exactly where you know we you fall you get back up that's exactly what we're doing on this show right then and here. So, JC, you know, going into this game, listen, the players have to say all of the right things. We're not overlooking this. The NFL, it's it's a tough league. You never know who's going to win on a weekly basis. And that is ultimately very, very true. There's no, there's no lies in any of those statements that, that players usually come out with. But for us, we're not playing the game. We can look at it you know, straight up and we don't have to sugarcoat things. This should absolutely be a game where the Bucks win by, I guess I would say at least 10 points going into this one. The Steelers got absolutely throttled last week against the Bills. I believe that game was in Buffalo though. So a little bit different, obviously, when you have to travel on the road, uh, you know, even when you're a bad team, if you're playing at home, you still get a little bit of that home field advantage. Um, so looking at this one, do you agree with that statement that this is a game that the Bucks should absolutely win handily without really any cause for concern? Or is it a, a case of the injuries that have popped up for the Bucks? Is that going to hurt them too much in this game where maybe they don't lose, but it's much more of a nail biter than anyone really expected? I'll see your 10 and raise you four more points. I think they should win by two touchdowns. Uh, if they don't, then there's a real issue here. Now, we know Mike Tomlin is going to have this team ready and, and prepared to play. We heard that from everyone today. Uh, you know, we heard it from Byron. We heard it from Brady. We heard it from Larry Foote. Uh, these guys, he's going to have his guys ready to play. But the problem is the talent on this team for the Pittsburgh Steelers, whether it's due to injuries, whether it's just due to, um, you know, just not being able to come together and figure it out. Uh, it isn't at the same level as what the Bucks are posting, even with the injuries that they're having. And, uh, you know, you look at it in, in the secondary, it looks like the Bucks. obviously they're not going to have Logan Ryan, but it looks like they potentially will have everyone back that they had last week, minus Sean Murphy bunting. So, um, and, and same thing at the wide receiver position, Julio is still the ultimate enigma there, but you know, Russell Gage did practice today. 
uh, after not practicing yesterday. It was limited. So, I mean, it, it could be a situation where they're going in there with their top three wide receivers. They're going in there with potentially Cam Brait, K-Dot, and their running backs, and, and, you know, everyone healthy on the offensive line. There's no reason why this Bucks team should not go on there. And, you know, we talked about last week being a get-right game, Matt. I think this game has a, a bigger chance of uh, being a get-right game. You know, you're going up. The, the Falcons were, were – the, the the games they lost were, were close, and the games they won, you know, they, they were – I mean, they were – we were playing for first place. They were playing for first place last, yeah. last week. The Steelers are not in that same uh, predicament. They won their first game against the Bengals somehow, and, and they've been, you know, uh, trailing uh, ever since, falling, sliding ever since. Now you've got a rookie quarterback on top of it, and rookie quarterbacks can be dangerous. Um but I just think that there is not enough on this Steelers uh, Steelers team on both offense and defense due to injuries or just due to play, play level that they've had that the Bucs shouldn't go out there and, and drop at least 30 points on this team. And, and the defense should bounce back and be able to hold them pretty significant low number of points as well. Especially when you look at the Steelers defense, no TJ Watt, who obviously is the engine that drives not just that Steelers defense, but obviously the pass rush. Minka Fitzpatrick has been banged up. You know, he's played, but, you know, he got injured in that Jets game two weeks ago and was pretty beat up there. And then you look at the injury report and the Steelers, like all of their secondary is, is you know, it's a lot of injuries there. So, you know, as we talked about last week with the Bucks taking advantage of a Falcons defense that, you know, had talented players with with Jarrett and and you know Terrell. The expectation was still that the Bucks could go and pass the ball, get it moving down the field. It more or less feels the same this week. This week, and you know, we can talk verbatim. We could talk for hours about Julio Jones and why it's been disappointing that he hasn't played and. You know, the injury is just unfortunate in general because he's so talented. But at the end of the day, you still have Mike Evans and you still have Chris Godwin. I know Godwin did not practice today. I'm willing to bet, you know, we'll, we'll pay attention to tomorrow, see if he's out there. But I'm willing to bet it's more of just a precautionary. Yeah, hey, this is a guy that just that just came back from a hamstring injury. Um, as long as you have those two guys and then you sprinkle in Leonard Fournette, pretty much exactly what they did last game where right. – a lot of Leonard Fournette, Rashad White did his thing. Kate Otten was a viable option. It's a two-headed monster with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And then a number three option by committee. It's just a matter of who's it going to be. But that's all right. But, you know, with the injuries in the Steelers secondary, I think 30 points is, is definitely doable. But as we talked about how last week was a get-right game, the Bucs didn't get it right, you know? They moved the ball down the field, but they didn't execute in, in certain really big moments, whether it was the fourth down play with Leonard Fournette, whether it was the fact that they got the ball three times in a row and went three and out and held the ball for a total of, like, under two minutes. Um, right. It's just simple things like that where, sure, again, the Bucs would probably get away with it with this game against the Steelers, but... It's becoming more routine that they just keep falling flat on their faces at time, at times, and it hurt them against the Packers. They could do it against the Steelers this week, but that cannot be a consistent thing moving forward. 
No, and you look at this team top to bottom. It's a talented roster at every position. Um, I think the biggest thing has been, Matt, is just simple football basics. Simple things that, you know, uh, I, I don't like to make the comparison, but uh, with the Patriots, you know, they don't happen much. It's technique and fundamentals, technique and fundamentals, going back mm-hmm. to basics. And that's what we've seen, and that's where we've seen these players on both offense and defense um, you know, kind of struggle. And and that's where those mishaps have happened. Uh, you look at the inability to get a hot start, the inability to sustain drives. Um, it's because of, you know, not playing the correct technique, not using going back to your fundamentals and and missing your assignments. And that that is something that's been huge with this Bucks team throughout the first five weeks. They got to get back to basics and they got to realize that, you know, we are are talented enough that we can beat anybody in the league. But if we're not going to play with the right discipline, uh, we're we're only going to be able to beat ourselves and allow other teams to beat us. Um, because you look at this roster top to bottom, we've just talked about the wide receiver position and even Julio Jones. I mean, Julio Jones, yeah, right. He hasn't been able to stay healthy, but it's not like he's dealing with a, with a soft tissue injury, which he's been accustomed to. He's dealing with a partially torn PCL on a play that he dove out to try to make a catch, to try to make a play. So, you know, I think he needs to get a little bit of, of slack um, a little bit of slack on that on that end because it's not like it was a, a play where he you know it, it just happened. He was literally putting his body on the line to try to make a play, um, mm-hmm. and, and that's when it happened. So you know I, I have no doubt he'll be back. But you're looking at Russell Gage now. You know he's he limited in practice today. He could be working his way back. Godwin, as you mentioned, not at practice today, but it turns out it was a rest day, which is good. <laughs> Let that guy rest up. Yep. <laughs> any more injuries in that wide receiver? But you know. Uh, there, there's a twofold part of this. We're talking about the Bucks and their record and, and not being able to put things away. And, you know, we listen to Brady and he he talks about that first quarter of the season is always when we try to figure everything out. F- find out what our identity is. Find out what we're going to be great, good at and turn it into what we're going to be great at. They weren't this Bucks team wasn't afforded that with all the injuries that happened. You know, you look at on the offensive line with Donovan Smith missing two games and Josh Wells, and then uh, at the wide receiver position, uh, you know, down the line, there was just injuries on. on that offensive side of the ball and, and some on the defensive side of the ball that didn't let that cohesiveness to kind of get together. The one thing that that's good about these injuries is so far, knock on wood, none of them have been season ending and they've happened earlier in the season. So you hope that, uh, you know, those bumps and bruises are out of the way and, and hopefully they can stay healthy throughout the rest of the season where, where it matters most down the line. But I, I think if this Bucks team can come into this Pittsburgh team, say, Okay, we got to get back to bases. We've got to be able to start hot on both sides of the ball. We have to be able to uh, sustain drives. We have to be able to get off the field on defense. We have to be able to stop the and run. Yeah. Let's <laughs> get back to our bread and butter. And what it, what made us a great Bucks defense to begin with? Now we've got all these guys in the secondary that have been making plays, and you know we're, we're getting after the quarterback more. But we have to get back to what made us so good, and that's stopping the ball. We have to get back to what made us so prolific is passing the ball. I get you want to try to run the ball, but at the same time, this this passing offense is one of the best in the league right now already, and it's and it's because of the weapons and because of the quarterback there. Um, the, the running defense will come. Um, I mean, the rushing offense will come as soon as teams start to re- respect that pass more. And now it opens up lanes and situations like that. And as, as the old offensive line improves together and gets in sync. Yeah. And I think the running game was, we'll talk about offense and defense with the running game. Um, I felt the bucks ran the ball and obviously the, 
the four net fourth and one and not converting it there was a was a glaring glaring issue um but overall the bucks were more pass first which i really liked and while they didn't run the ball a ton i do think they were for the most part effective when they ran it again if it's a third and one and rashad white's in there and he did a great job of converting on short yardage downs if you only need a yard that's really going to skew the overall yards per average but you have to look at it as they converted that third down. You needed a yard. They got two yards on the play or a yard and a half, whatever it was. I don't think we have to look at every single play like, oh, well, they didn't rip off 10, 15 yards. Um, right. Now there's an issue in the run game. The Bucks should absolutely be a team that's pass first, either get it, get a first down, make it or make it second and third, second three, second two, whatever it is, and then you can run the ball. Right. We just hate it when they load up the box and then run it with Leonard Fournette and it goes nowhere. It's like, well, you're setting up the team for failure in the first place. And Byron always talks about, I want to put my players in the best position to succeed. Well, you're not doing that in that sense. So I think we saw the Bucks a lot more last game put their players in more advantageous opportunities. I loved it when they went, you know, Big run with Rashad White and then a pass to Rashad White first down or vice versa when, when they flipped it that way. So I, I if they stick to that routine, that will help them for the long haul, not just this game against the Steelers. Now, stopping the run on the flip side, I think the Bucs did a better job stopping the run than what the stats will say against the Falcons. I think you have to factor in that Mariota scrambled a fair amount for those rushing yards. They had specific bootlegs and waggles and, and things of that nature for Mariota to stop the run. And sure, you can you can point and, and argue that well they need to get be better at staying in their in their lanes in those in those uh you know passing situations when Mariota scrambles. That's fine, but that's not against you know stopping the run itself. There were a couple of times, I would say about two to three times where the Falcons legitimately running the ball got to that second and third level, those 10, 15 yard rushes that had been really frustrating. One of them was on the touchdown in the second half. But I also think what you could turn to that and say is, well, the defense was consistently on the field in the second half because the Bucs were not able to move the ball offensively. So you talk about complimentary football. I think, the defense gets a knock for they're getting knocked for that when I don't necessarily think that they should have. And the Falcons are a team that runs it all the time where I don't think we're going to see that with Pittsburgh. And I, I know Pittsburgh predominantly in the history of their franchise is play defense and run the football, but today's NFL, you're not going to do that as much. And also, you know, John Ledyard alumni was on the, uh, the show yesterday and he talked about how Nashi Harris just doesn't look like the, the running back that he was when they brought him, when they drafted him and, and uh, you know, he made his debut in the NFL. So if you're already talking about your number one guy that they don't really totally trust, they're going to have to start passing the ball and they do have talented wide receivers, but I think the run game, both offensively and defensively, I'm not going to say it's in a, in a great spot or even a good spot, but I think in both sessions, they are trending more towards the right direction. Yeah, I, I think with the running game, it, it's just simply a technique and fundamentals, Matt. I think that's like the, the theme of, of today for me. That's technique, fine. Te- technique and fundamentals. It's, uh, you know, tackling, uh, you know, sustaining blocks and 
and you know not ma- making sure that you're not being exposed and and holes are being opened on you you look at what the falcons did they were running into the fourth quarter they didn't care uh they had 31 rushing attempts on the day and yeah Mariota did break contain it and get a big chunk of those um you know for nearly what was it like 60 yards or something near something mm-hmm. like that 61 yards so um you know you you have to account for that as well uh but you know one of the other things too is is tackling tackling has been um an issue for some of these guys yeah uh, or you look at the last three games, you've had a safety lead the team in tackles. And a lot of those have been running backs getting to that second level. Uh, you can't have that happen. So, you know, I, I think this team is going to take a look, take a deep dive inside of what, what they need to do in order to get better at, at getting back to the bread and butter. And I, I think we see it this week. And Najee Harris, you're right. And John's right. Hasn't looked like the same running back. And Part of that is because that offensive line has kind of regressed in their run blocking. It's it's not something, uh, you know, the offensive line has been a work in progress for a couple of years now in Pittsburgh, yeah. but specifically the run blocking, they've really struggled this year, struggled to open up holes. And I think that's going to be a big onus for this Buccaneers defense is to uh, maintain their, their integrity in the gaps and maintain, um, you know, the ability to, to not get bullied around. We've seen Vita Vea pushed around quite a few times this year, and he's got to, he's got to play like the Vita Vea that we, that we all know. And, um, you know, a, a certainly a key, not having a Keem Hicks there uh, next to him, another big guy, or, or even, you know, taking a step further, Nadam Kasu, uh, who, who's no longer on the team, not having those guys. And that's taken nothing away from Nacho or, or Dedrin Sonata, who both played a really, really good, I think, in, in Akeem Hicks absence. But, um, you know, they just they they got to play a little bit tighter. Uh, they got to play a little bit better. And I think that will come uh, this week against the Steelers. I just I, you know, you have to correct um, you have to correct what's been going on the past few weeks. And I, I think it get time to get back down to technique and fundamental and their fundamentals. And they're going to they're going to do that this week and uh, have a really good game shutting Najee Harris down. Yeah, and something you you mentioned earlier that I want to talk about now is the fact that they are playing against a rookie quarterback with Kenny Pickett, and Todd Bowles has a great track record going up against rookie quarterbacks. So I, that's where I really think you're going to see that shutdown dominant game by the Bucs. Because let's be real, they've played a lot of really good quarterbacks for most, for most of the season. Dak Prescott, before he got hurt, and he got hurt later in that game, uh, you know, sure, they took advantage of playing against Jameis with all the interceptions and the pick six. But then we're talking about Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. So I think we saw when they played against Mariota, who's known more for his legs than his arm at this point in his career. I mean, really for his whole career. Um, you know, they got back to doing a great job of defending the pass. So now you have Bowles ready to call plays against Kenny Pickett. And the reason why everyone loves Todd Bowles' defense is because it's so unique it's so chaotic at times you know you have nacho drop back in coverage you have jts <laughs> drop back in coverage and you blitz Antoine Winfield jr and mike evans or mike edwards off the uh, off the edge that's a lot for a rookie to deal with and not just a rookie a rookie that's starting his second career game and has only played you know he started he came in the second half of the Steelers-Jets game two weeks ago and then started against Buffalo. So we're talking about extremely, extremely new to just playing in the NFL. I mean, it's practically Bambi going out there, seeing what the NFL looks like. 
for the first time. So I think it's important for the Bucs to just continue to generate that pressure. I mean, they've done a great job of getting to the quarterback. And for all the sacks they have, I believe it's 19 on the season. They could have had a couple of more. And I think you got to give credit to Mahomes and Rodgers when they escape that type of stuff. I know Kenny Pickett can, he's got legs and he can move. He obviously had that famous play at Pittsburgh when he ran all the way down the field and then faked the slide and then kept going, which really impressive play. But I also think at the same time with an NFL defense with Shaq Barrett, Vita, Joe Tryon, Shoyinka, everyone else that, you know, we've been talking about Pickett isn't going to be able to scramble and get the ball out of his hands or just get away kind of like how Mahomes and, and Rogers have in other weeks. So I think this is a huge, huge game for the Bucks defense to just, again, establish why they should be a top five defense this week. And I think it's really going to be on the pass rush as well, JC, because we don't totally know who's going to be in the secondary outside of Jamel Dean and Antoine Winfield Jr. You know, Mike Edwards is banged up. Carlton Davis has practiced two days in a row, so it looks like that he's going to play. But we're not talking about a you know a secondary that's 100%. And I understand that all players are hurt at this point of the season, but I think there's your normal type of hurt going into a week and then the injuries that the Bucs sustained. Mike Edwards, he talked about missing tackles. He missed a tackle, and that's how he got injured with his elbow. SMB with his quad. Um, Davis has missed the, he's played in the last two games, but he's also left the game early in the last two. So we're talking about, I don't want to say Carlton Davis is hanging on by a thread, but he's definitely, um, susceptible. Yeah. He's definitely nicked up and susceptible to potentially leaving the game early. And, you know, the Steelers had talent at wide receiver. Pickens has been awesome as a pro and Claypool again, John Ledyard will get on his case a lot, but there's talent there. And he really said that Deontay Johnson is the guy that kind of makes the Steelers offense go. If he drops some passes, they're kind of done. But if he make, but when he catches the ball, it completely, completely changes everything for uh, the Steelers offense. Yeah. I think the secondary going back and looking at it, you know, uh, even against the chiefs who, who, you know, had that offensive explosion, uh, the Steelers don't have a Travis Kelsey and a majority of the damage done to the bucks was by Travis Kelsey. So, uh, you know, does that fall on the cornerbacks and safeties a little bit, right? But that's kind of more a little bit of a linebacker situation as well. So I think the cornerbacks and safeties will be fine. Not having Logan Ryan, you saw how it hurt them last year, uh, last week being with that versatile look, you know, Keanu Neal is a good player, but he's not the same. He's not the same type of guy as a Logan Ryan. It doesn't bring that same aspect that allows them to be so multiple back there with that three safety look on the field. Um, but I, I don't think I'm necessarily concerned about the corners uh, as much. I think they need to really play. You, you talked about a rookie quarterback, and and there's there's a caveat with a rookie quarterback, right? He's going to he's probably going to make some mistakes at some point in the game, but mm-hmm. at the same time, as a rookie quarterback and pretty much given the reins now, he's gonna have he's gonna he's gonna be able to and want to make some of those throws that he might not make, that a veteran might not make, right? Uh, something that Aaron Rodgers and Mahomes might not look at, he might chuck it up and and now you get some chunk yardage there with something that normally would be a throwaway or something like that. Um, so they're, they're rookie quarterbacks can be prone to being a little more risk taking. Um, and, and that's why the secondary, and I talked to Jamel Dean about it, you know, you've got to stay disciplined in your coverage because you know, one, 
one of those plays and now you're torched for 50 yards down the field and setting up a field goal or setting up a, a touchdown drive. So uh, I think the cornerbacks will be fine. It looks like Carlton Davis is going to play, but you're right. He's definitely banged up. But for, for me, it's, it's one of the situations here too, is the pass rush. I think, as you mentioned, you know, with, with Todd Bowles, that chaotic exotic all over the place defense, they need to test them early. Um, you know, Pickett through his six quarters has been surprisingly good against the blitz. Now he's thrown two interceptions, uh, but he's also scrambled for a first down and he's got over 150 yards on those uh, on 11 of those throws as well. So he's made a little bit of magic happen going back to his college years as well. So, you know, you, you have to you have to rattle him a little bit. You have to get him prone to thinking that, hey, someone's coming at any given time. I don't have much time to get rid of the ball. Curiosity. Curious enough that the uh, the Steelers defense, I mean Steelers offensive line has been pretty decent at at pass blocking, only giving up uh, eleven sacks, tied for like middle of the pack in the league. So, um, but that it's I think it starts with the pass rush. It starts with the guys up front playing discipline. Um, you know, playing you know in their in their lanes, can, making sure he's not uh, you know getting out of the pocket, making those those crazy throws that could. Uh, hamper the the secondary down the field that like other teams, uh, other quarterbacks, veteran quarterbacks might not make. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see how they utilize him. You know, Tomlin's going to have him ready. You know, that he's going to have his guys ready to go. But you know, those wide receivers are 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 a handful. You know, yeah, w- without question. Want to get to a super chat that we just saw, but first we're going to talk about underdog fantasy, uh, one of the best places to go, and uh, you know. Pick some uh, pick some winners, especially for a Thursday night game that maybe isn't the most appealing to NFL fans that don't root for the Commanders or the Bears. But of course, uh, you can win some money by watching that game with Underdog Fantasy. It's the easiest place to go get some action on the NFL. Uh, that's with Underdog Fantasy and their Pick'em game. You just pick an over or under on your favorite or least favorite player stats. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players to fill out your pick 'em slip, get every pick right, and take home some cold, hard cash. Use the promo code PEWTER, get your first deposit doubled up to $100 by Underdog Fantasy. Even if you learn from Plant City Math, you know that that's a pretty good deal. Once again, that's Underdog Fantasy with the promo code PEWTER. P-E-W-T-E-R. They also have a lot of great daily fantasy uh, tournaments and and things of that nature. You could do a Thursday slate. You could do an entire Sunday slate. um, And you could draft your team pretty quickly, too. You could do it within 10 minutes if you decide to do the fast draft. So uh, make sure you're using Underdog Fantasy with the promo code Pewter. I won some money two weeks ago. Two out of the last four weeks, I've won money with Underdog Fantasy, so I'm looking to get another win this week when I use them. Let's find that super chat. Yeah, it was from Byron Turner. What's up? And you can play it in Florida, too. Yes, you can, which is very, very important. Uh, Byron, thank you so much for the 499 super chat. Uh, He says, I do think we lost a lot of swagger players like JPP, Sue, and Jensen. It matters when Vita is more like McCoy. Need some nasty. Interesting comment there. I would say more attitude necessarily than swagger. Like JPP, I, 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 without question, I am not knocking the Bucks for not bringing back JPP. 
because it puts them in a weird situation where JTS is the guy. That's why you drafted him. He's got to be that starter. And JPP just can't stay healthy for a very long time. He looked awesome on Sunday Night Football for the Ravens. But again, one good week, that's great. I don't know how long he can do that for the long haul. You could also argue, well, the Bucs brought in a lot of free agents that are injury prone and have already been injured this season with Hicks and, and Julio Jones. But we're talking about outside linebacker. Missing Indominus Sue, I think, does have a little bit of an impact with Vita Vea. But I'm not willing to say that Vita Vea is playing like a Gerald McCoy. I think Vita Vea... While his play is down this year, he still does a, he's still so important to this defense. He had a sack last week. And Jensen, he got injured. There's there's only so much that you can do with right. that. I do appreciate the super chat. I wouldn't necessarily say swagger. Devin White brings a lot of swagger. Nacho brings a lot of intensity. The secondary, they're grave diggers. Obviously, everyone uh talks about that and gets excited about it. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin on offense. You know, when you score points, that's swag. And they do that for the most part. Uh, maybe not as much this season, but it's still going to be there when and if they need it down the road. Um, but but what do you think about that comment, JC? Uh, do you agree? Disagree? Uh, you know, I, again, JPP, I agree with you. I don't. I don't necessarily think that was a move that they had to bring back. I don't know if with his role in the past on this team, if he would have been comfortable in a, in a part time role, it's easier to go to the Ravens and take a part time role with Justin Houston. Yeah. Than it is to come back and succeed that that starting spot to Joe Tryon Shoyinka. So I, I think that is, you know, that's kind of water under the bridge. Same thing with Jensen. We know the demeanor Jensen brings. We know his his uh, affliction of getting under the defensive tackle skin. Uh, <laughs> we go back to last year, yeah. that Fletcher Cox incident in the Eagles game, and, and so many others. Um, but Sue, I, I kind of have to agree with what you said. I think. Um, you know, not having Sue or not even having a guy like Hicks, because I think Vita Vea looked pretty damn good in that first game. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think not having that established big guy next to him it has affected him a little bit. Uh, you know, Sue is is one thing. He was still demanding eight million dollars last time I checked to come back and play. Now, you know, uh, Jason Light said he's never going to shut the door on him if there's a possibility to bring him back if they if they feel like they need to. They will, but I think with Dedrin Sanat's play, I don't think they, they're going to look at that situation right now, at least um, not until they know more about Akeem Hicks and when he could potentially be back. Uh, I think he'll he'll come around. I don't think this is a season-long issue for Vita Vea. He knows that, you know, about the way he's playing. We talked to Casey Rogers. You know, there's no he said there's no harsher critic than himself. He knows he's not playing up to his standards. He knows he needs to play better. So we'll see how that, how that pans out going forward, but it only takes one game to find your groove and kind of get back into the swing of things. And I think that this could be one of those games where maybe Vita Vea looks like, uh, you know, that, that pro bowler, that, that guy that is one of the best defensive tackles, best nose tackles in the game. So I'm not in panic mode yet with him. Yeah. And I think last game as well was a game where he got back on the right track. He had the sack. Um, he had some other good plays where he got a great push and w- was in the backfield. I think it's just more cons- fine. I think, yeah, yeah, I think it's just more of consistency type of thing with Vita. We've seen some flashes where he's looked really good. And then we've seen some plays where it's like, who the How, heck is this guy? Who, you know, who's pushing you off the ball like that? Vita? Yeah. I, 
I think it's been more the run game where we, I've, I've been disappointed with his play. Pass rush, I think he's looked really good. I agree. That push in the backfield, obviously with a sack last week. And, you know, he would have had another sack. Um, uh, was it against the Chiefs, I think? But he got the roughing the passer call or whatever. Or was that against the Falcons? I'm not sure they're meshing together with me. Um, but yeah, I think that was against the Chiefs where he got Mahomes, but it was a roughing the passer. He was like barely, he got pushed into him or. Or something like that. But I think, um, you know, those situ- – no, it was actually last week. Um, it, but I, I think, like you said, it, it's just getting back to basics. And, and, you know, I think he'll get back on the track – back on track with with stopping the run. It's just um, – I don't know what the issue is. I, I, I couldn't say. But I know that he's too good of a player to, to continue that type of play throughout the entire season. Yeah, he's he's better than what he's shown so far. And I, I feel confident, too, that he'll be able to, you know, pick it up as the going gets tough, as they say. And I think Hicks, if he gets back. Now, that's a big question, too, is if and when Akeem Hicks comes back. I think that will help. Uh, that'll help, too. I want to stick with the trenches, but let's flip, flip over to the uh, the offensive side of the ball for the Buccaneers. Um we talked about how there's injuries on the defense. There's, there's, uh, you know, missing players, TJ Watt, not there, but if there's one thing that's going to keep the Steelers in this game, it's going to be taking advantage of Luke. And, um, obviously with, with Hayward, that's right then and there, that's how the Steelers, if they want to neutralize Brady dropping back all the time, if they want to neutralize, the run game when the Bucks do decide to to run the ball, it's got to start with Gedeke doing a better job. Of course, against Hayward, it's it's obviously very difficult for him because he's had so many great defensive tackles that he's gone <laughs> up against. And <laughs> how much do you buy into? Obviously, there was that uh, there was that retweet that he that is he. I'm sorry, my mind's playing. Is it Casey or Cameron Hayward? Cameron Hayward. Cameron Hayward. Yeah, I don't know why I was thinking Casey Hayward, but Cameron Hayward, he had Casey the Hayward's a cornerback for the Falcons that they played last week. Okay, yeah, maybe that maybe that's where my my head is. I just call him Cam. Yeah, Cam Hayward. Um, he had that retweet where like some fan was like, Mike Tomlin that. doesn't know. Are you buying that that was like a legit? He called it a butt retweet. I don't. I mean, you're obviously reading it and looking at it, you know, and, you know, a lot of these players, you wouldn't believe how many players actually search their own name on Twitter. Uh, If Bucks players, I mean, uh, Donovan Smith does it. I mean, uh, he's not tagged in a lot of these posts, but you see him retweet a lot of these things. He retweeted John like five times last week. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Past week, actually, after that Falcons game. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, Cam Hayward, you're you're looking at it, obviously. or it's not going to be up. It's not like it's something that you, you weren't just showed up. That that type of tweet doesn't just show up on your feed. You've searched your name for it. You're looking at it. You're reading it. Whether you put it in your pocket. I mean, I've had situations where I've liked stuff with my with the back of my finger holding my phone or something like that. But yeah. I don't know about it. But I mean, who keeps their phone in their pocket? But pockets, unless you're a girl, anyways. Right. For the most part. But I, I don't know if I necessarily buy. I mean, he's been there a while. He's seen a lot. He's won a lot. Now he's in a losing season. <sighs> I think I think he accidentally things. just tapped the retweet button because like I've made the mistake. You're going through Instagram and like you tap the button to see who's tagged in a picture. Yes, yeah, and I, then you tap yeah. it too hard and the like button hits. It's like, a little oh. bit different with Twitter, but 
I don't know. I think again, if you just say, "Hey, like my bad, I I accidentally hit it," versus like I butt retweeted it. I don't the, necessarily see the that. The thing about the retweet button, Matt, is when you hit that retweet button, it gives you two options. Yes, right? that's also true. So yeah. that's the problem where I'm getting. That's why I'm like, eh, I don't know. So your butt hit retweet, and then it decided instead of a quote retweet. Yeah, would you shift button, over and your other? And, right, yeah. and if it, if it does hit quote retweet, and you don't write anything, you can still hit send, and it will just retweet as a normal retweet. So. I'm not I'm not buying it. I don't think it matters. I don't think it plays into this game at all. Yeah. But um, you know, you look at Cam Hayward there and you mentioned it before we got into the retweet. He's he's going Luke Gedicky again has another hard assignment with another tough defensive tackle from Onyamata to Kenny Clark to Chris Jones to Grady Jarrett now to yeah. Cam Hayward and Brady had a lot of praise for him Brady said he's one of the best players he's ever played against that's huge and you know those Patriots team play, played those Pittsburgh Steelers teams a lot uh, especially during the regular season but also in the playoffs um, so he's seen him quite a bit so to pour that that praise on him like that it's going to be a huge test for, for Luke Gedeke, another huge test. And it doesn't slow down next week either. He's got Derek Brown, uh, who's who's starting to kind of come into his own. has been a good anchor for that Panthers team. And, and then you, the Ravens, they, the Ravens, you know, they don't have one of those guys where you're like, oh, man, this really good defensive tackle. They still have Callis Campbell, but Justin Matabuke isn't. And then he gets Aaron Donald. So it doesn't slow down for Gedeke now. He's in the fire. He's in the flames, and he's got to perform better. We've seen he's been a much better run blocker than a pass protector. But that's going to get Brady killed. you got to be – got to switch it around. The, the first play of that game, Grady Jarrett tosses him aside and almost gets to Brady. Um Luckily, Brady got it off in time. You know, it wasn't it didn't go for a completion, but at least he got rid of the ball. He's got to play better. Um, you know, the guys around him have played extraordinary. You know, Donovan Smith was ragdolling. Um, I forget his name. He was one of the pass rushers for the Falcons last week, left and right. Robert Haynes has been very good. He's been very steady. I don't, you know, he hasn't been Jensen, but he's been a very steady presence. Gedeke's a clear uh, you know. Black sheep on that line. He's a clear uh, guy who needs to improve his play, and it's not going to get harder. It's, I mean, any easier for him. It's only going to get harder as these weeks go by, and he's got to turn it around. And I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily like this matchup for him either. I think we'll see a lot of Cam Hayward over him and, and trying to disrupt not only Brady's rhythm but also disrupt the running game and just wreaking havoc in that backfield. Another thing that deserves a lot of praise is pin chasers, which, oh, yeah. of course, if you haven't gone to pin chasers yet, I don't know what you're doing. They have great deals and different deals for every single person that sets foot in one of their multiple establishments, as you see on the screen there. East Pasco, Zephyr Hills, Midtown, and Veterans. They have one pretty close to the Advent Health Training Center where the Bucks have their practice. But all the different deals, all you can eat pizza, all you can bowl, dollar beers, brunch on the weekends go to pinchasers.net find out what deals that they have because they they got new ones coming out almost you know on the regular so uh, the food is extremely underrated it's not like just going to your typical bowling alley uh the food is way way better than what you would think going into a bowling alley the pizza chicken tendies uh nachos mm -hmm. all underrated and uh, it's a fun night out with friends and family you can book your kid's birthday party there because they have an arcade as well so the kids can bowl, play video games too. 
So uh, go to pinchasers.net, find out what is in store for you and start booking those uh, holiday parties. You know, they're coming up in December. They fill up pretty, pretty quickly. So uh, if you want to have your event at Pin Chasers, do it soon. They just had a very cool event the other night, too, where uh, Devin White at Live 45 Good love. brought out a bunch of kids for uh, the Boys and Girls Club, and they had a big bowling event, and there was prize giveaways and a lot of cool stuff. So um, a lot of great stuff going on. At you never Pin know who's going to be there. You never yeah. know who's going to be there. The, the Bucks players love to go there. Donovan Smith is probably going to have his bowling charity there. Mike yep. Evans, before COVID came around, has had his bowling charity there a few times. So you never know who you're going to run into. Bucks players love that place, and uh, it's awesome. It's it's a lot of fun as well. Yeah, it's it. it's it's a lot a lot of fun for for sure. Uh, last thing on Gedeke is JC. Where do you balance? You know scrapping it and just taking him out as a starter and putting in Brandon Walton or, you know, whoever they decide to put in there or, um, you know, just riding it out because it's just kind of a growing pains type of situation with him. It's difficult because I think you, you don't know if you're getting better play from those other guys, Leverett or Brandon Walton, or even if you brought in Eric Flowers or something like that, started him on the practice squad and, and got him caught up. You don't know if you're getting better play from there. What you do know is that if you take Gedeke out at this point, you're going to hurt his confidence. And confidence is one of the biggest things for a young player to get is to stack those games together and continue to do well. You look what it's done for Kadon. You look what it's done for Rashad White. Stacking games gives them more confidence, gives them more trust from the coaching staff, from the quarterback. I, I think that with Gedeke, it's just something that you're going to have to live through for right now. You look at the offensive line, you've got – four other really good guys playing at high at a high level. And, you know, if Tom Brady had a slower release, <laughs> maybe you'd have to switch it up. But because his release is so good, because he's so smart and so and able to go through his progression so quickly uh, to find the open man and and utilize every situ- every single situation, you know, whether that's a nine route, eight route, uh, coming, you know, digs across the middle of the field, finding the running back in the flat. Uh, he's he's so quick and and can can decipher what a defense is doing that he can get the ball to where it needs to go. I think you got to live with it a little bit. And you know, when the de- if you look at the second half of this schedule, you know, there's not as many guys that you're really worried about. He's not going to be going against Miles Garrett, so you know, he's going to be he's going to be on the outside. So, you know, the, with the Browns and with the with the uh, you know, he'll get Eric Armstead uh, with the 49ers, but yeah. you're you know, you're not really there's no one on that Cardinals team that really you know makes me nervous and you know there there's a bit of a reprieve there same thing with the Seahawks you know there's a bit of a reprieve there um to kind of catch his breath uh and you know gather what he's done what he's done well what he's had struggles with that's a bye week after the at this the Germany game to, to kind of get it ironed out right now this first half of the season you just gotta hang on hold on for this ride and then turn yeah. it turn it up in the second half of the season. And I think he can be capable of doing that. He's got the talent. It's just, you know, he's, it's a lot, Matt. He's moving multiple, multiple things. Yeah. Back conference to, to Grady Jarrett. You <laughs> know? He's moving right tackle to left guard inside, outside. There's so many different things that are piled up on top of him that are, that are changes for his play that, 
once it becomes natural second nature to him, I think he'll be, I think he'll settle in and be much better. Yeah. We talked a lot about how the bucks on the schedule, they had the gauntlet of, of the first month with, with all the teams that they played, but the gauntlet for defensive tackles has kind of <laughs> continued for Gedeke. And you mentioned all of the guys that they play against and, you know, they obviously, again, playing against good teams coming up after this week in Carolina, you know, they play the Ravens, who are a good team overall. The Rams, defending Super Bowl champions. I know they struggled a little bit starting out, but I'm not ruling them out to, you know, go on a run with, you know, with the players that they have. So I really do think it is part of that waiting out process. But I think like that bye week, you know, the Bucs in part, every team does this, but the Bucs in particular, they really go back and assess the good, the bad, the positives, the negatives, and everything like that. And if you're going to make a change on the offensive line, it seems like maybe that decision will come after that Germany game against the Seahawks when you have a week off. And then they go through another somewhat kind of gauntlet. We'll see towards the end of the season. But again, the Niners, a very formidable team. The Bengals are up and down right now, but we obviously know the talent that they have. And then the Cardinals... And the Saints again, too. Going out west. And the Saints again, too. So it's one of those, if you're going to make that decision, I think it'll come, you know, right around the bye week. Another starting position, though, that I think we should talk about, and it's not his fault because he got injured, but it's, you know, it's it's the reality that we're in right now, and that's, you know, hopefully Cam Braid is able to come back this week. But with the game that Kate Otten had, against Atlanta, and I feel bad because Cam Braid, obviously, he's awesome with the media. He's been with the team for a very long time. But Kate Otten looked so good last week, and Braid was out with a concussion. Is it too early to name Kate Otten the starter, or does he have to continue to prove it in these upcoming weeks? Yeah, I think Cam Braid was a starter, really, coming into this season out of experience uh you know yeah. you look at the last two years it's he's been the second string guy he's been grok has been number one he's been number two and i think he's kind of thrived in that role uh in that pass catching role where they haven't needed to utilize him as a blocker kate Otten is a far better blocker that's no knock on cam Brait. you know he's tried to improve that position but you know he's kate on's a true wide tight end and uh you know he's starting to develop that trust with tom brady he's getting uh you know he's he's getting open more often he's making the catches and and I, I think that, you know, they drafted him to eventually be tight end one. I don't think they thought it'd be this soon. Um, but I, I, I think that with the way he's played, with the trust that Brady has in him, he, he can be that guy. He can he can be tight end one for this Bucks team. And then sprinkle in Cam Braden, you know, the other Bash brother and Co. Keefe, uh, you know, in, in his role as a blocking tight end and someone who can c- catch the ball too. We saw that that great catch. So um, I, I think what Kadon really needs to to do is, and the Bucks haven't really utilized him in this way. And and I see uh, one of the I think Harvinda just brought it up too as as a red zone guy and, and proved that he can be a factor uh, when the Bucks get down in that area and and separate when the field is shorter and and you know use his his height and athletic ability and his frame to box guys out and start reeling in touchdowns. So um, I expect him to get one soon, maybe against this Pittsburgh team. Uh, coming up this week, but Kadon to me, I, I think it's Kadon time, time for tight end one, and then sprinkling Brait uh, whenever you can. I think you make a, a 
really solid point about the fact that, you know, Braid has bounced around from starter to backup to even third string, you know, right. at, at times. So it's a it's a role he's more used to and has been effective as like a second or third guy. I do kind of hope Kate Otten becomes the starter soon because I have him on my fancy team. He's been on my bench, obviously, because he hasn't you know played <laughs> that much. But my starting tight end is Pat Fryermuth of the Steelers who got a concussion last game. So it's looking like he's probably not going to play on time for you <laughs> in this one. So Kate on become the starter. And obviously I want Cam Bray to be healthy, but Kate on become the, becoming the starter would be perfect for me at the right time, especially because I drafted him probably like with my last pick or second to last pick, because you know, people I'm in a league with that aren't bucks fans don't really know that much right. about Kate on. Um, but you know, he, you know, he was a middle round draft pick. So, if he becomes the starter, the Bucks are going to feel like that, you know, they hit the jackpot with finding this guy and making him the starting tight end. Almost kind of like how you would feel if you won money at uh, the Seminole Hard Rock Casino in Tampa. Just the right. way you like it. Me and my wife decided we'll have some fun. I was playing a two-cent machine. Six bets in, I hit a jackpot. $117,000. Hi, my name is Tara and I won over $500,000 playing slot. I do this full-time and I would not change it for the world. I'm Gloria. I won over $2 million at Seminole Hard Rock Casino. I went and bought a bunch of jewelry. <laughs> my name is Mike and I won over $350,000. I love playing back rock because it hits different. When you pull in that car and you flip over that nine, beating that eight, can't miss. I'm Jimmy. I won a half million dollars in a slot tournament at Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. Even the blind squirrel can get a nut sometimes. <laughs> my name is Philip, and I won 215000 on Blazing Sevens. Putting my last $40 on the table, next thing you know, bam, 215000 jackpot. I hit that bad boy. I didn't realize how much it would change my life. You only live once. Have fun with it. Right. Anybody can win. It's them no hard rock in Tampa. Never know when you can win big. And so go and check out the Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. We're going to be doing some live Peter Report podcasts from there. So uh, keep on the lookout for that. Um, as we start rounding out this podcast, we talked about the offensive line, tight end, wide receiver. We know what we're getting with Mike and Chris. I guess the real question is, Who's going to be the third option? Can Russell Gage step up? Is Scotty Miller going to be like Scotty? I thought was solid last game. I don't know if he's a long-term answer, but if Perryman isn't able to play this week, which he might be able to, he's practiced. Um, you know, if, if Perryman ends up playing, I don't think he's consistent enough to be the third, the third option. You got Rashad White and Leonard Fournette, obviously a running back that were huge. Uh, you know, the, the the previous week. So where do the Bucks find that third option? To be honest, I don't know if it's that wide receiver. I, I think it's, you know, Mike, Chris, and then anyone else. Everyone else is open. I think it's a, a wide receiver three by committee type deal. I think you're looking at uh, if Kate Otten's open. And, and Kate had a nice run, uh, run and catch last week where yeah. he broke it. It was almost like a baby Gronk type run where he just kind of plowed through somebody. But, you know, you look at uh, – Leonard Fournette. I mean, he last year he was third in the league in reception, uh, third in the team receptions. He's first in receptions this year, uh, and, and second in the yard, right behind uh, Mike. So, you know, they're going to utilize him a lot as, as a pass catcher out of the backfield, um, and he's probably most likely that third option. And then you have guys like Russell Gage, Julio Jones will be part of of the of the game plan. But you know, Tom Brady by the time he goes, he's you know 
and Mike's not always his first read, and neither is Chris. But by the time he goes through his reads and, and you know feels that pressure coming, if the dump offs there, he's gonna he's gonna throw it to Lenny. And we saw that last week. Uh, it also depends on how teams play them. Last week the Falcons played you know prevent more prevent defense uh, to keep them from hitting those deep balls and open up a lot of stuff underneath for Kate Otten and a lot of stuff for for Leonard Fournette and Rashad White. So uh, I don't know if there's a number three wide receiver option on this team. I think it's just a number. Uh, the number three option is whoever's open. You know, Tom is not going to discriminate. If he trusts you out there, yeah. <laughs> he's going to throw you the ball. Um, and Scotty played a little bit of that role last week. I talked to Scotty today, and that's obviously something he's been trying to do. He's known for his deep threat ability uh, to, to take the top off defenses, but and he's utilizing that to, to his skill set. You know, he had two plays that could have been 50-plus yard touchdowns. Brady on the throw him and the DPI that wasn't called. Those could have, you know, if those were placed in the right situation, right spots, you know, he's looking at, you know, over 100 yards receiving and two scores. Um, so just simple as that. But he's also using that to be able to uh, have defenders and cornerbacks respect his speed where he, he ran two really nice dig routes that he got good yards, yeah. one for first down. And then he, he showed up in the blocking game as well. So, you know, it, it's going to be whoever – it's, go it's going to be, I think, changed from week to week. Uh, if you have Julio, if you have Russell Gage, probably shouldn't start them in fantasy anytime soon because I don't necessarily know who's going to be that option week in and week out past Mike and past Chris. I think it changes on a weekly basis depending on how teams are playing them and depending on how the game plan's drawn up. Yeah, I, I wouldn't expect Julio Jones near the field anytime soon. I just think, unfortunately, that's going to be the case for most of the season and, and Russell Gates, Russell Gates. I'm not saying they should sit him, but he's clearly not a hundred percent and it's really affecting how he plays. But a good question here by uh me Sador, they say, uh, why have we not seen white in the slot? He has great hands. So the bucks have ran some formations where he'll, they'll be in shotgun and he'll start out lining up next to Brady. And then he will go and line up, on the outside as a receiver and they'll have no running backs in the backfield. When you have Chris Godwin as like one of your main slot guys, you're not going to put Rashad white in there instead right. when you have Chris Godwin. So it's not a bad idea, but again, when you have Chris Godwin Gage is uh, sorry, white is fine on the outside because at the end of the day, you're getting that running back versus linebacker matchup that you want in the first place. It doesn't necessarily have to be in the slot. It, on the outside, it could be even more advantageous. So um, we haven't totally seen that, but we have seen him line up at wide receiver, which I think is, which I think is. A good and, thing. and him and Leonard Fernand in the backfield at the same time, which has been, yes. fun, you know, um, I, I think, you know, I, I get, like I said, I already said it in the show. I get everyone's upset about Julio not being healthy and everything like that. But when you look at the situation, how he got hurt, he was laying out to make a play. Um, and if he comes back at any at any point this season, if this offense starts getting going right now, like we've seen, um, that's just a bonus. Like getting Julio back towards the end of the season. Remember, guys, the Bucks are 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 aiming for December football. That's when they want to be at their best. They've got plenty of I think options on this team to help keep that going. They don't need to score thirty points a game if the defense is going to be doing what they've been doing. Uh, my sons that game against the the Chiefs at least, but um, they don't need to score that many points. They don't need to be this prolific high scoring top you know one two like they were last year in the league. They they just need to get the job done. And as players start to come back healthier, as Gedeke starts to uh, settle in, I think they're going to be able to do that. So, 
you know, whatever you get from Julio it is just counted as a bonus for right now. Yeah. Let him rehab, let him come back. And then when he gets back, if he's, if he's not the, if he's not the guy you after the Cowboys game, everyone was like, Julio, you know, now because he hasn't played and, and they've, Instead of putting him on IR and having that situation, and we talked about it the other day, I think the reason why he's not on IR is because potentially if it was a must situation where everyone's out and everyone gets injured, they could play Julio, but it's in their best interest to let him heal and get healthy 100%. So they have him for the stretch. And that's what, you know, pretty much Bull said, you know, we want to have him for the long haul. Um, with Gage, it's just he hasn't, he looked amazing in camp, Matt. I mean, we, he Mike Edwards said he's been running routes that are virtually uncoverable and we saw the relationship he and brady had the problem is he got that hammy and then now it's a back and now it's an ankle and, and these injuries have started piling up i don't think you can say someone was a bust of a deal or 10 million dollars for this or whatever I, I think the going rate for a wide receiver three is going to be around 10 million soon mm -hmm. i mean look at the market right now so I, I don't think you can look at the money and be like oh we wasted all this money i think once he gets healthy and going forward next year and, and hopefully later this season he's going to be an asset to this team um you know you go back to that green bay game 12 catches the touchdown he looked really good and i think he's got that ability to look really good just it's just banged up you guys got to have patience exactly Let's patience is is the key right. whether whether it's you know everyone asking for gronk to come back and then kate on did what he did last game whether it's getting rashad white in the offense in general whether it's oh is is brady hurt uh, is brady not the same brady because, you know, he didn't throw the ball much in the first two games. Well, then he started airing out, and he's third in the league in passing yards. So, Paige, I, I understand. I said this the other day. Everyone wants everything, like, right now, right this instant. That's just not always the case. And we're learning that with the Bucs in multiple areas on this team on offense and defense. I want to remind everyone that the Pewter Game Day show and the Pewter Tailgate show will be taking place, Tailgate show first, live from walk-ons at 11 o'clock that's the walk-ons in wesley chapel uh closer to jc and scott reynolds neck of the woods yep. um, they'll start that at 11 o'clock and then myself and uh, we haven't announced the guest yet but uh myself and a guest will be doing the live in-game announce the pewter game day show at one o'clock when the steel when the bucks travel to pittsburgh and play against the steelers so we're gonna have a lot of great content and uh you know analysis and information when that goes on again walk-ons make sure you check it out there's one in midtown a little bit closer to me i love going there uh and then the one in wesley chapel as well they got happy hour all day on tuesdays and their happy hour deals in general are fantastic but one more time that is the uh where was it i just had the graphic it is the Pew the celsius pewter report tailgate show presented by age rejuvenation Live at the Walk-Ons in Wesley Chapel at 11 o'clock. And then the Pewter Game Day Show, presented by Celsius. At 1 o'clock, four Bucks versus Steelers. We're going to be having a lot of fun just giving our reactions to every single thing that happens in the game. And that's what's fun is you never know what's going to happen. So uh, stay tuned for all of that fun stuff coming up on Sunday. But that's going to do it for us for now. For J.C. Allen, I'm Matt Matera saying... Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening, and we'll see you on Sunday for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.